Welcome, truth seekers all across the fruited plain. I'm your host, Kim S. Anderson, bringing you civics made simple. Hashtag we are exceptional. These are bite-sized civics lessons designed for you to take and share wherever you go. These are important times. Times that American citizens like you and me need to know how our rights came to be and the responsibilities that go along with them. Hey guys, welcome to this previously recorded lesson on the classical definitions of liberalism, republicanism, and what it meant to be a constitutional republic in describing the birthing of our country and our nation. This episode is just really one you want to pay attention to. It's loaded full of information. Share it. You're really, really going to enjoy it. Stay tuned. Liberalism, Republicanism, and American Constitutional Republic. I at first thought about splitting these up into maybe three different lessons, but they would have been like 30, 40 seconds. So it's not going to be long today. But we want to talk about some classical definitions um, in contrast to some modern day definitions of those terms because they're all very controversial in their own right in modern day um, understanding. So let's go back. And I am, of course, um, taking this lesson from civics, from Alpha Omega, from their civics um, course. And so let's get started because we want to jump in. All right, so let's get started. So. The definition of classical liberalism, um, the writers of the Constitution were both influenced by both their own personal experiences and also by, by traditional um, ideas that have been developed over many centuries. And the first of these ideas was classic, classical liberalism. And the foremost principle of liberalism, I've just got my book over here, so I'm sort of, you know, I'm just moving back and forth, but just hang with me. The foremost principle of classical liberalism was the emphasis on inalienable rights, the rights of the individual. And so um, throughout the 17th century, the colonists developed their views that as they worked to conquer the new world, they became what was called rugged individualist. You guys have heard that term before? And so they learned um, uh, uh, um, in, in the hard way because they were like in the frontier, they were working on a determined and dogged individualism, a rugged, that's why I say it was rugged because they were, they were the, the pioneers on the frontier. So like if a tree needed to get cut down, they had to do it. So they became very self-reliant and they became reliant on each other, reliant on themselves and so that spirit actually encapsulated so much of why classical liberalism was a very, very important factor in the upcoming new country. And so can you hear the lawnmower outside? It's like it never fails. Once I start doing this, someone wants to start cutting the grass. It's hilarious. OK, nevertheless. Um, and so they called this period in the 1700s. They had a period, uh, a couple of decades where they called it the age of enlightenment where that spirit of individualism and independence developed in what was becoming a growing nation. And so it was sort of like, you know how you, you catch something when you're hanging around it and individualism caught on and took hold 
as the new country was was birthing and becoming. And so it says they the, the rugged individualism was demonstrated as they built businesses and industries in their own colonies. So that's how the colonies began to grow and expand. Um, and they forged out to the frontier from their own tight colonies based on individualism and rugged and raw determination to make something of sort of the raw materials of what they had been given. So classical liberalism is based on the idea that the individual possesses <laughs> the rights of life, liberty, property, and the pursuit of happiness. And they believe, those classical liberals believe that that was the most important element of society. Liberalism in this sense takes the stand that governments, listen to this guys, you're gonna love this. As a matter of fact, I almost want to say, write this down. But liberalism takes the stand that governments are created by the individual for the purpose of safeguarding the rights of the citizens. Then the governed by consent and approval of the governed. Let me read that again. I got my, I got my, I just wanna make sure I get, I'm getting all the thoughts right. Liberalism takes the stand that governments are created by the individual for the purpose of safeguarding the rights of the citizen. So the people have the people have rights that have been given apart from government. Like the government can't give you rights. We're talking inalienable rights. And so this was was um, prominent and evident in what Thomas Jefferson wrote in the Declaration of Independence. You know, we hold these truths, these truths, these are truths that we that these truths are self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights governments are instituted among men deriving their power meaning the government's power from the consent of the governed that means the people we the people give the government its authority, not the other way around. And so that was a very, very key component of classical liberalism. Now the term liberal comes from the word liberty. And when applied this way, it refers to a system of government that guarantees the rights and freedoms of its citizens will be protected. It is to be distinguished, now here, let's make this point. It is to be distinguished from the modern day term liberal which is used to contrast the term conservative. In modern day political um, terms, these two words are used to identify the beliefs held by two widely divergent groups of people. Modern day liberals generally believe in a strong central government, meaning the government tells the people what's possible for them. Um, and this exercises a great deal of control over the lives of the citizens. And they are often called in modern day terms, the left. In contrast to conservatives who are in modern day terms called the right, conservatives on the other hand tend to believe in less, modern day conservatives tend to, tend to believe, I'm gonna find my place, hang on one second. Modern day conservatives um, tend to believe in less government, less government interference and greater state and individual freedom. And now that's a simplified explanation, but that, that, that pretty much can sum it up. So when, when we're talking here, we're using the term liberal, but we're talking about classical liberalism 
which refers to a system of government that guarantees the rights and freedoms of its citizens. So now let's take the next step and deal with classical republicanism. Now, classical republicanism consists of two basic ideas, civic virtue and common good. Now, the idea of civic virtue assumes that the citizen should be willing to sacrifice some personal freedoms for the benefit of the whole community. And it is this benefit of the whole that is the basis for the second concept, which is the common good. So we have civic virtue and common good. And so we see that, you know, these terms, republicanism, that's what they meant back then, not necessarily what it means right now, because we don't, well, in this term, we're not referring to a political party. We're, we're sort of referring to the idea that brought the country into being. So, so they had two different factions that they were putting together in the Constitution. One was classical liberalism, which meant rugged individualism, the rights of the individual. And then we had to incorporate classical republicanism, which was civic virtue for common good. Now, what, what, what became America was an American constitutional republic where our American constitution consists of a wonderful blend of classical liberalism and classical republicanism with the protection of one's individual rights and not exclusively and the promotion of the common good. These are two key components that we will find um, in our constitution. And so we will delve into that as we go forward but it's a very, very interesting concept, you know, how to protect both the individual and the state, how to protect the individual and the common good. And we see that with things are going on that, that affect all of us, there will be times when we will come together for the common good of the country and we may put our, some of our personal liberties aside. Whether it be, um, you know, natural disasters or, or you know, I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? There are things that are sort of bigger than us that for, for a period of time we will put down our own individual rights for the good of others. And so um, I'm just checking my notes real quick, but it's just a really interesting concept. I need you, so I want you to understand and take away from today's lesson that what we have in America is a blend of two different thought types. It, it, they, were, they were melded together, blended together, individualism, and civic virtue and common good. They were all brought together in a new and unique form which became the American Constitution. And so we will be delving into some really, really unique things in the, in the lessons ahead. Um, we're gonna be talking about government systems and, and how people are actually governed. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about the separation of powers and how that came to be. And so we've got some good things coming up. So now, it has been my pleasure sharing with you today. God bless you. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Civics Made Simple. This is your host, Kim S. Anderson, inviting you to visit our site, kimsanderson.me.me, for the latest and most up-to-date information on our podcast and our store. Follow us at hashtag WeAreExceptional on Instagram and Twitter. God bless, and we'll see you next time.